What's happening, friends? How are you? Have you missed me? God damn it, I've missed you. Ugh. Missed you, your handsome faces. Uh, welcome, gang, to a brand new episode of Terribly Funny. This, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. I am your host, your buddy, uh, your your wacky neighbor, Steve Bazalone. And um, um, what do we got here today? Well, we got a great guest. Uh, we got a great guest. It's a friend uh, that I've known for, oof, God, uh, close to almost 10 years now. It's Katie Stoll. What can I tell you about Katie? Uh, she's an actress. She's a writer. She's a producer. You've seen her on things like Adam Ruins Everything, How I Met Your Mother. She's been in some CSIs. Uh, she does a bunch of stuff for Cracked. She writes and produces over there. She's also even dipping her toes into uh, producing movies. So she's a real Jack or Jane of all trades. Uh, she's wonderful. She's delightful. She's insightful. And today we're going to talk about some real fun stuff like addiction. Ooh. Ooh, and what it's like to have addiction in your family. And uh, even, let's take that uh, a little further down the road, Ooh, what it's like when addiction uh, invariably uh, claims a member of your family. Um, yeah, it's uh, some real light fodder, but she is wonderful, and uh, I think she uh, is an insightful conversation that I think you will all enjoy. So stay tuned for that. But before we do that, before we get to your dessert, we got to eat your vegetables Hey, gang, do you like this podcast? Do you? I hope you do. If you do, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your relatives. Thanksgiving is uh, right around the corner. Bring it up at, at the table. It's something to talk about that's not politics. That'll be fun, right? Um, also, you can tweet at us. It's terribly underscore funny. You can follow us there, too. Also, follow our Instagram. It's terribly funny podcast. Also, drop us a line at our Gmails. It's terribly funny podcast at Gmail. That's it. That's all you have to hear from me. I'm done with my, my dog and pony show. Now let's get to the good stuff. And as usual, the good stuff is my guest, not me just yammering away. Here we go, gang. Brand new episode with Katie Stoll. And we put each other into the deep end, but there is only one. So, okay. just like an answer, you'll just get like a big old... Oh, that'll be my teacher. There you go. Ooh, I don't have enough for on me all the yeah, time. Well, you can get a lot more, man. <laughs> um, no, man, I, you know, a thing that I, uh, that annoyed me a lot about last year, and I think this year is actually merited, but like at the end of last year, like every, like any time, we lost a lot of celebrities, a lot of celebrity deaths last mm-hmm. year. And that was like a thing where people kept me like, oh, fuck you, 2016. Right. And like at the end of the year, I was just kind of like, What? This doesn't even crack the top five of mo- shittiest years for, for me. Or, right. like, you know, like, yeah, that's a. Fu- I fucking love David Bowie. I love Prince. Yeah. And also, you know, was really hoping the election had turned out differently. But right. it was like, it just felt like it was marginalizing. I feel like that was, that was like taking good things for granted. And just because, sure. like, somebody, like, I like their songs and they're dead. And not to, like, marginalize the, the feeling that you have about that. No, but... But, and I think this year is, like, now perspective. Like, oh, right, now there's real shit. Exactly. As like, opposed to just, like, oh, a bummer that, you know, Raspberry Beret will never see that light again. <laughs> no, but people's lives are in danger and, and they're feeling the ramifications of this on a very real level. But yeah. we're going to, like, be up in arms because, you know we don't have this celebrity anymore. Yeah. You don't, we can, we can grieve him, but that's not what makes your year terrible. Yes, exactly. And I think, but I think like this year has been that. And to some degree, it's like, uh, to varying degrees. For, for me, because I'm a fucking straight white dude living in LA, this is the stubbing of the toe. Yeah. And it fucking hurts. But it's like, I can ignore it because yeah. I am not a person of color. I am not gay. Yeah. Um, I don't live in a place that's being ignored because of some, you know, storm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're protected. Our, our, our government here, local government, is yeah. very liberal exactly. and forward-thinking. Um, yeah, I totally feel the same way. But it is, but it is like a little bit of like, I feel like it is like, you know, when you get strep throat, it reminds me like, oh fuck, I've been taking this shit for granted. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, last year, like, man, Suffragette City was awesome. I and know. it was. Such entitled little babies. Yeah. That like, yes. oh, you think that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up, guys. Look, I like Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher was dope. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I'm still healthy. Right. I've still got a lot of things that I haven't always yeah. had. Um, anyways. Yeah. That's a very didactic way to dive into. Uh, let's yeah. get, let's get to your. Let me tell me some bad shit, man. Tell you some bad shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I guess the the worst thing that doesn't have to be the worst. It can be worst. a trifle. <laughs> well, my brother died a oh, few fun. years ago. 
I did know that, but yeah. um, in terms of our history, I feel like I hung out with you a bunch, like yeah. seven, eight years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. In that, in that area. Yeah. And then kind of didn't see you for a while. Yeah. And then I feel like we've become more buds again in the last like two or three years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that was like, that was the gap. It was the gap. Yeah, uh, yeah my brother passed away, I guess six years ago now, which oh. is crazy. It's crazy, like the further away you get from something like that, because it feels less present, but I think right. about him every day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, but I still, I, I was going to say, like, you don't feel like you can bring him up as much or like you, you should, but I do. I talk yeah. about him all the time. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, this is not the same thing at all, because um, uh, my mom passed away almost three years ago um but you know that's like the natural order of things like she was young to die she was 63 um and that's young young. that's youngish it's not like oh fuck you're 20 right you didn't get your whole life yeah but that's the natural order right like that's that's a generation above me and soon Mm -hmm. it'll be our our generation isn't that's not time yet but it is still like the further you get away from it like the you do feel like a little bit of like, I, I guess I can't lean in and talk about this as much. As much. <laughs> Even though it's still like, I think about calling her all the time, almost yeah. every day. Like, oh, I should, yeah. oh, right. Oh, right, I can't. can't. Yeah. Um, well, side note, natural progression or not, mm-hmm. that's the thing that terrifies me the most. Uh, losing parents, I'm yeah. so scared of it. And that's more so now since my brother. I'm sure. It's, um, that, that I definitely frequently feel like panics about that right. and then have to like rationalize it and be grateful and know yeah. that and like be present. And so that case, that's, that's kind of a takeaway for me through all of this was to, it really did bring my, my family closer together and that's we spend great. much more time together. Do you, are you, is it, was it just you and your brother? Um, I have two older brothers. Okay. So Coco, I call him Coco. Sure. Um, he was 15 years older than me. Oh wow. So my mom's first marriage. Okay. And then my other brother is six years older than me. Okay. And um, Coco had has a son, mm-hmm. uh, Aiden, who is 15 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And Coco uh, was a bad drug addict mm-hmm. most of his life. Um, and when Aiden was three, I want to say, my parents got custody of him. Mm-hmm. So Aiden is a lot like a little brother for me. That's the same nice. age difference yeah. for me. Um, but after we got custody, he got clean. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I mean, he still smoked pot and like drank. But then slowly phased that out because he had hepatitis. Sure. So he contracted that at some point. And we didn't really know. I mean, we did, he kind of kept it a secret and like wasn't like that big of a deal. And for some people, it isn't that big of a deal. Sure. Some people can live with it their whole life. Yeah. Um, but not him. Yeah. So it kind of progressed quickly once it started going. It like happened fast. Wow. Um, so how old was he? He was 41. Yeah, that's one of those things. Like, that's too young, man. It's too young. Yeah. It's too young. Um, but he was ready, I think. Um, he didn't actually say that, but afterwards we started going through, you know, all of his old notebooks and his poems, and it was pretty clear that he knew what was happening. And yeah, well, I mean, you have to know, right? He was probably well, doing that a lot longer than you were cognizant of, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was hard. This is hard. It was a hard whole thing for a long time, because um, because of his history with substance abuse, uh, they wouldn't put him on the transplant list. Right. Um, and it's hard enough to get on that list in California specifically. It's got it's a very long wait. Right. Um, and so they wouldn't put him on the list and they told him that he had to go to rehab like or start going to AA meetings several times a week. Um, and then if he showed that he was, because they don't want to just give a liver to anybody. Sure. But also he'd been sober for like six years. And is that not anything that they can quantify in like a blood test or anything isn't there like a way to I mean sure they could but right. they wanted to see proven I mean really they things. just were I mean it, it it's very frustrating sure like I don't I don't actually know the full rationale right. behind it but it and it's very difficult how do you decide who's going to get this very valuable liver who's the person that's going to have the body that's going to receive it or what have you and uh, it always felt like they were putting us off but then they said um if it ever comes to a point where 
it's very serious, we're monitoring the situation, we'll put you on the list. We'll put you at the top of the list or something. Like right. they sent something, I wasn't in those rooms, I don't know. But so they made him go to AA and it was very difficult for him because someone with that stage of cirrhosis, you know. Yeah. I listened to Todd's yeah. episode of this and it's very similar. Yeah. And that definitely exactly. is something that brought us closer together commiserate talking about sharing sure. these stories um but uh you know you're jaundiced you can't move everything's you know you're bloated yeah. everything's bad but he would go he would go to these meetings and you know and fight and go there and it was very difficult for him but he did find some joy because there was there is he's such a good listener mm. he was so good at like being there for people so he had been through all of the, a lot of this recovery a long time before, so he was kind of a rock for a lot of people. Right. And like, I think he did get some That's joy out of that, of being there to, to talk to people, but it was very hard on him to physically show up right. to those meetings. Um, yeah. When did this all, all this like appear on your radar? Like, is, I assume right. you knew that there was some substance issues when you were younger. Yeah, well, yeah. But, I mean, what does that look like as a kid? I mean, it I know. Hard. Did you, when did you, did you know what was happening? Because he's 15 years older, mm-hmm. so when he's in his 20s, you're six. Yeah, So, yeah. like, when do you have an understanding of what's happening? Hmm, great question. Uh, I always knew that he was, well, he was a total hippie, like, mm. uh, he, he drove a van to, that he covered with red handprints to protest the Gulf War, and sure. like, you know, had dreadlocks and tie-dyeing followed the Grateful Dead around and that was like light-hearted and he was still yeah. mischievous feeling um, and as I mentioned he was my half-brother and his father was very wealthy and he lived in Singapore mm-hmm. um, moved to Singapore to do God knows what sure. um, and so, have a bunch of slings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he so Coco at one point when I was younger left to go live with him he got in he got into some trouble there and he had to like flee the country. In Singapore? In Singapore. Yeah, Singapore is a place marijuana. you don't want to fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was his name? The kid from Ohio that oh, got I caned? Uh, I do remember, but I don't remember his name. But that he was... He like spray painted or something. Yeah. He, it did something and he got caned six yeah. times. And it was like national news. It was such a huge story. Yeah. And so like I remember the, having an awareness of that and that was stressful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really... I really became aware of it probably when I was around 10, <clears throat> I think 10, when he overdosed on heroin in our back, in the, we had like an apartment above mm-hmm. the garage in the back. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I could hear my mom crying and I look out the window and there's like the flashing sirens Jesus. and lights and like I was so scared, didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And that's when it definitely shifted for me and I was pretty young. Recognized no, it wasn't playful. It wasn't playful, and it day. had a lot of resentment. A lot of resentment. And he went, it stopped, yeah, it stopped being fun. Were uh, you close with him at that point? I've, I was never really close with right. him. He was so much older than me. Yeah. And my other brother also became uh, at it. Hmm. Um, and uh, it wasn't until after we lost Coco that he ended up sobering up, getting clean. This is a bit of a tangent, but like mm-hmm. having two brothers who have, who have history with addiction, is that like a thing that is weighed heavily on you? Like, <laughs> yeah, this point, but like, yeah, where is my limits? Does, does this bug live in me as well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether it does or it doesn't, the amount of energy that I spend thinking about it right. makes it more so. Like, if you obsess on something, you're like, sure. Mm. So for a long time, I was very... I was couldn't have been more opposite from them um, uh, growing up. Just, you know, little miss, do everything, straight-A student. I grew up wanting to please people. I grew up definitely, I mean, I think you see that, if anybody that goes to Al-Anon or right. studies that, you see that people growing up in households with that kind of turmoil become a little bit... You want to be like the constant. You want to be like not the source of... I, I recognize mm-hmm. on an instinctual level that's... You, Things are hard for you. Yeah. I want to be the antithesis exactly. of Exactly. And so you, yeah. you grow up and so, man, take me a while to sort through all of that. Sure. But, <laughs> but definitely, definitely um, is, is there. Uh, and my parents are so great. Like, you know, 
it's, it's just so interesting to me to see how people who are raised in the same way mm-hmm. could be so very different. Um, Do you feel like you you had a, your your upbringing was similar to uh, your brothers? Well, Coco's is your, was is different. Your sec, is your uh, the middle brother? Is he uh, half brother as well? He's my full brother. He's your full brother. He's my full okay. brother. Coco, yeah. Well, Coco's upbringing was definitely different. I mean, my mom was so young. I mean, it was her first marriage. She married her high school sweetheart. Oh wow. That didn't last, and and they were hippies in the hate. Sure. You know, and, um, and they've talked about how they regret that there was pot in the house and stuff like that when they were younger, and they yeah. experimented. But then that, soon as he was, however old, you know, they take that out of the mm-hmm. equation. Also, things were different then. But yeah, of course. But you know that weighs on them. But for the most part, they're the same people. Right. But he definitely had. Uh, I mean, that whole Drews, his last name was Drews, um, mm-hmm. uh, said they have just this spirit, this like fighting, like fuck you kind of an mm-hmm. attitude. I mean, it's great in some ways, you know, but also like their Achilles heel. Um, so if he didn't like things that how they were going in our house, he could say, no, I want to go live right. with dad or what have you. And um, so in that way, we were raised differently, but Ryan and I weren't. Right. Um, but he had he was he was very close to my brother and I'm very jealous of that relationship well because that's what seven year difference so that's mm-hmm. it's still a big difference but there's at least you can be you can be yeah. once you get to a certain age you're peers-ish yeah yeah um, and he and Coco also has another half sister from his dad okay and um, who I've become very close with uh, well we always she would come and spend time with us sure but um but both her and Ryan, my brother, were, and, and now when they talk about him, I'm so jealous because I, I started to forge more of a relationship with him and later on. Like, he was always there and I loved him. I loved him so sure. much, but he scared me. He scared me. Uh, when you see somebody, that when you wake up at 10 years old and you see the flashing lights and yeah. somebody's getting carted off or your mother's crying, like that's Yeah, he was the that's source a big of a thing. lot of pain. Yeah. Um, but he was also wonderful hmm. like um, sharp and smart and funny and um, after he died there was so many people that came up to me and they were like when I was at my lowest point I was walking in the street and Michael drove by his real name is Michael mm-hmm. and he pulled over and he saw me I didn't have shoes and he gave me shoes and he took me in and he bought me a burger and he just sat there and let me talk to him and and you know, he made me feel human and he saw me, he didn't judge me and mm. that was the thing. He didn't judge, he loved everybody. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, and that was who he was. Um, but after he came through a lot of stuff, we started to have an adult relationship right. and it meant a lot to me. And, and I just wish that we'd had more time as adults. Yeah, well, for sure. When did you become aware of the fact that like, oh, not just battling demons of addiction, but like that he's actually really sick. sick. Yeah. Um, it was probably, I guess I first knew that he had hepatitis like two years before he died ish. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I mean, he got it using needles at some right. point and he probably had it for a while and then didn't know. And then he kept it a secret and it wasn't a big deal. And then it started people started becoming concerned and like should we be more proactive in what you're doing for your treatment and right. um uh and then the last year it started to get scary because every time you come home he's more gray he's right. more drawn um and my mom was doing the bulk of the work taking care of him and also working full-time and mm-hmm. There's this baby, this child. I guess at this point he's ten. Aiden. Still though. Yeah, and we're still like, a kid, man. That's, he's got a personality, but he's you know what it's like when you wake yeah, up and see exactly. him. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to shield him from mm-hmm. that, and he idolizes his dad, and um, uh, so that was really rough, and like, uh, yeah. So probably the year before was when it became really scary. Right. Um. But we never thought, because they had said to us, if it gets to a point where it's looking, starting to look bad, we'll, we'll jump them to the front. We were always thinking like, okay, this isn't so bad yet. This isn't so bad yet. 
<clears throat> but, <clears throat> you know, then one day, you know, he's, it, that all of a sudden it is really bad and he's rushing an ambulance to urgent care. And um, the kicker was we were all there. And so I fly home. I've been home a few times. Um, and I fly home and I go to the hospital and they say, and we're all there, and they say, you know what, we're going to do this. We're transferring him to San Francisco because we live in the peninsula mm -hmm. outside the city, so it's like a half hour, 40 minute drive. We're going to get him stabilized and we're going to transfer him to UCSF and we're going to get him on the transplant list and we'll get him in the facility that they need to have him in and ready for anything. And we're like, oh my God, this is a huge relief. Right, sure, huge sure. relief. And <clears throat> for days of sitting in the hospital and they just needed to put a pick line in where they could have different... Yeah, they'll have a pick lines. They're yeah. fine. God, yeah. I can't even... He was having such a hard time. And I guess he yelled at the nurse. I don't know. He went, ow, fuck, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he said, Mom, Mom, uh, please apologize to the nurse for me. I was so rude. And she was like, no, 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 it's okay, baby. And that's... And I'm sitting there on the floor, and that's when his heart stopped. Oh, my... And I just started screaming, like, come on, come on, someone, come on, help us, help us, help us. And then it was like people came out of the woodwork and, like, trying to revive him. Um, and it was just, like, my dad, his face goes white. He starts timing it. It's like how long it had been since his heart was beating. And it was just the craziest experience, the most surreal out-of-body thing I've ever experienced. Um, they restarted his heart then. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he was still with us, sort of in that moment but after hours and hours and yeah. hours of this it was just like we can't there's you know he was bleeding internal bleeding and everything was shutting down and so we all just decided that we were gonna stop yeah it was wild <laughs> i mean it was awful i it was it was just the yeah. most intense crazy experience but here i was you know a few hours earlier thinking great we're but, and we didn't realize we were at that point yeah, I again not to conflate my experience with no, your experience, please. but it's all I have to draw upon. But like, I feel like uh, every time that I've had, and I have a I have a big ass family. My mom is one of oldest of nine, and uh, lots of aunts and uncles and great aunts and uncles. I've been yeah. like a pallbearer like six times yeah. or something. But you know, when they get closer with like my grandfather and my grandmother and my mom specifically. I think it was always uh, always new, like, yeah, this is gonna go south. Yeah, this is, <laughs> right. this is not. This is gonna. There's an expiration date here. Right. Um, and you prepare yourself for that to some degree. But I think the thing that surprised me on almost every occasion was just that it was earlier and sooner yeah. and faster than you expect. Yeah. Because I think you do like a lot of those like kind of. Um, I don't even know, not justifying, but you do this like little uh, markers of like, okay, well, we're on the list. Everything's good. Yeah. Well, we're on this thing. Yeah. Like, I remember being in the hospital with my mom, and uh, she was in Connecticut at the time, and, you know, she would get one thing, she got a feeding tube, she got a bunch of other things, and it was like, all the while I was there, it was like, where do you want to go for Christmas? Because this was like right. all of December. Like, let's yeah. go somewhere, let's just go somewhere fucking super nice. We're going to get you out of here, and we're going to like Montauk to something. Like, <laughs> yeah. And just like sit by a fire and just, you know, just yeah. have like a great, um, very Christmassy Christmas. And I was like, I know that she doesn't have much time, but I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a rough spring. Right. Um, right. And that's what I was expecting. And then like, you know, she dies December 18th. Um, and it was just like one of those things it's where every like, year to die yeah it's not ideal um, it's none of them are but yeah it's never a great time yeah um, it's somehow I think maybe a little bit uh, I don't know more cathartic because that at least for me that time is like always like stirs emotions because yes. it's like absolutely you know I was raised Catholic mm -hmm. uh, so like Christmas Actually, the, the Catholicism has nothing to do with it, but Christmas is always a big no, thing. Totally. When you're like, you know, because it's, it's like the, it's the granddaddy of holidays. Yeah. And that was always fun. And I had a big family. I was the only child, but all my cousins would be around then. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know, it just stirs a lot of emotion. So I feel like that time is like rife with emotion anyways. So like to have somebody it's die, then it's like, well, I'm going to yeah. be like a little bit uh, internal anyways. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, but the point was the thing that I was always surprised by, like, was just the immediacy. Because mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that like... 
I can't speak to your, you know, but you like, like, okay, well, we're on this list, so we're going to be okay. Yeah. It's probably not going to be great at some point, but now we're okay. Right. We got a reprieve. And this then, like, it turns, and you're like, what the fuck? Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was just such a whiplash. And I wasn't prepared for it. I mean, I was in some ways. I had known that this was a thing that could happen. But you don't think that it's going to happen to you. Because he was young. Yeah. He does have this amazing baby and had done so much to work on himself and but I don't but but I also don't think that he wanted to live right. I, don't, I don't mean that in a way that he's giving up I think he would have fought if he could have but recovering from a, a liver transplant is especially when you're already very weak mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot that's a lot and he would have had to take so many pills a day and he was hated all of that shit hated it you know and um yeah i just don't know that he would have been able to do it right to do that and then it would have been a waste of someone's liver yeah um this is a a, a tangential question but just mm-hmm. something that i uh found to be very kind of um, an ethereal experience, one that like um, was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Just uh, I was in the room when my grandfather died, and there was it could be just totally projecting, but it felt like there was a silence. There was like a um, just like life left his body. It felt like there was like an absence, like a something like not to be hippy-dippy or religious in any capacity, but it felt like something left his body. Like I, and I know it's just like energy and molecules and like there's a, that is the life force, but it felt like something was just not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and I was really kind of astounded by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, that was, there's not really a question here, but just like it no. sounds like you were there for that, in that same period in which yeah. like it's like, this feels weird, this feels different. Yeah. This feels like the... You're not here anymore. There's something inside of us. Yeah. I do absolutely believe that and relate to that. Um, my mom doesn't think he was there from much earlier, mm-hmm. but I do. I feel like I'd had a moment with him when I was, because he, I mean, this is, this is really dark, but it was intense with all of them sure, working on it. Of course. He couldn't talk and there's tubes and like, I remember being up there and holding his hand and like making eye contact and trying to like calm him down. Mm-hmm. And like to me, he was still there in that yeah. moment. My mom doesn't think he was, but he was. He was, I mean, his eyes were open. He was there. He was locked in. Um, but I felt him leave. I felt him, I, I think I felt him leave right before almost. Mm-hmm. But the room, it was silent. It was absolutely that. It was. But it was also peaceful. Yeah. All of a sudden it felt peaceful. And we all knew that we'd made the right decision. Right. And then what's really weird is just leaving. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, well, it's 4 a.m. What do we do now? Isn't that a weird thing (laughs) about just like, I mean, any sort of trauma in general, but just like the mundanity that follows that. Yeah. It's just like, well, I think I'm hungry. Exactly, exactly. And they gave us these tiny little juice boxes. Yeah, sure, I know those juice boxes as well. My mom couldn't bring herself. Like, it sat in our fridge Mm -hmm. for like a year. Mm -hmm. Get rid of this. We can't have this tiny little juice box. We went to the drive-thru coffee shop that my mom goes to every morning. And they were like, hey, Patty. Oh, Katie. Hi, Michael. Oh, you're all here. It's 530. That's weird. Oh, I don't want to ask too many questions. Uh Um, And then we went home. Cleaned a little. Yeah. And then Ada came home. Good yeah, boy. Yeah, because we had sent him to, he had a sleepover at Emerson's house. Oh, sure. <laughs> and at this point, he's like, what, 15? He was, no, he was 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was 11. Um, oh, God, that was the worst. So we all gather him, and my mom, we don't know what to do. We're just looking at each other, and she just goes, well, Daddy died. <laughs> like, what are you Yeah, he's got to blurt it out, man. <laughs> Frank didn't believe us. And so I took him outside while he processed it. And I was like, what do you want to do, kiddo? Anything you want to do? And he says, well, 
can we go to the race can we go race cars <laughs> so we went and we got bumper cars and mm -hmm. we went to a racetrack and we raced <laughs> we spent the afternoon doing Isn't car it? races and he was so having so much fun but he didn't quite get it but of course and see you know i remember look, look back when i was 11 and feel like i'm like a person yeah when i was 11 years old so was that third grade fourth grade yeah something Some, it's like you know you like four. feel like yeah. you're like i'm a real i've got yeah. thoughts and i don't feel like i'm that much different now i'm sure i am but like it's still like you just don't know how to wrap your mind around that yeah. shit but also isn't that like a great thing to kind of have uh, a little bit of a not understanding element oh, yeah. when you're processing because like it's like an excuse to be like fuck i want to go race cars too yeah i don't want to <laughs> yeah. i want to i i don't want to just sit in this i could use a little distraction like, this sounds like a great plan yeah let's go fucking let's go bump into shit and be a little reckless that <laughs> sounds like a good reminder of life yeah um the pictures are dismal like you see Aiden looks pretty excited my dad and I haven't slept uh -huh. like just like trying uh -huh. to smile uh -huh. <laughs> but it was exactly what we should have done you know in that moment yeah yeah I mean I think uh, um, you know this is nothing new but just like the, the, the mundanity following like an event like that but also like uh, the juxtaposition of like you know, seeing a life force leave somebody and then like mm -hmm. doing something that is so intrinsically full of life. Yeah, yeah. You know, like after a funeral, you go and you immediately go to a service and you go eat. And yeah. that's like the exact opposite. Yeah. I am fueling life. Yeah. And I came from this thing or like you're doing something like that that's like so hedonistic and frivolous. Yeah. <laughs> as doing bumper cars. Yeah. But it's like also like so joyful. Yeah. And means nothing. And that's like the best part of life. It's yeah. like, this, this means nothing. This yeah. is this is just a luxury and a joy. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like singing. It doesn't do anything really except for bring joy. Brings joy. Yeah. Raises the vibrations. Yeah. Um yeah. It I think we all show up for each other more and like say like, yeah, we're gonna go do that thing together. Mm -hmm. And that's That's nice. I guess it was the first time that, that started. And that's not true. We've both been a family and a good family for a long time, but it feels more pointed and important well i think it's like what we were talking about earlier just about like uh things like that or just like reminders yeah. the perspective that's like oh yeah we were taking things for granted yeah let's try to not do that as yeah. much we're still gonna still going to we're, we're still about like get mad at each other for stupid shit yeah but yeah um and then what happened i don't know so many things yeah what um what has that done with your, I know we talked about it a little bit, but like, what has that done with your relationship with, um, I don't know, I guess I did a couple of things, like one, like addiction, but like mortality of just being like, seeing somebody so young. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it's one thing like, you know, I think everybody's got a story of like, you know, friend in high school. Sure. Weird fluke, driving, yeah. got hit, yeah. something, you know, Absolutely. something that's like, yeah. well, that, that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. But it's like, well, if somebody that age, that's how you should die at that age. Right. If you're going to die at all, it's got to be something fucking weird and accidental yeah. and just like an anomaly. But when yeah. you have like somebody who's 41 years old who dies from like a disease, um, man, that's hard to wrap your mind around, especially it's a disease that maybe like, you know, you, you, you talked about like he was not a judgmental person, but like yeah. it's also like, yeah, this is a disease, but it's also a disease that you're partially responsible he for. He brought it 100% yeah. responsible for. Every step of it he's responsible yeah. for. Um, my mortality. I, I mean, I'm hyper aware of my parents' mortality. Mm. And that's different. Um, I don't know that it has brought up any, like, fears right. that weren't kind of oh, there. Already, already there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Being alive. Um, uh, but it did but it has brought I am more attentive to people and I'm listening to my friends and you know and I'm protective of them but I don't want to support them and make sure people are okay it's the same bad things I grew up with sure. but I think that I I think that it's less mortality but that wanting to make sure that I'm always expressing my love to the people that I love right. and like and being present with them while I have them I think that that's more of what it brought up for mm -hmm. me and, and less about a fear of losing people right. but 
wanting to like uh, enjoy them if that makes sense no 100 percent. it makes a lot of sense you um uh said like yes it's it is a hundred percent his he's uh, he's culpable for this mm-hmm. having this disease like how okay what it like in terms of managing any sort of level of anger over something like that or like yeah fuck you man yeah that was hard you did this yeah we're all going through this yeah um yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't realize that I had that anger at first. Mm-hmm. And I went to therapy at first because I felt guilty. I felt very guilty sure. that I hadn't. Um, we became closer in the last few years, but I did. I was scared of him for a long time after plenty of formative experiences. Yeah. And he was volatile for a long time, even after being sober. And he got better and better. And you know, well, getting sober is difficult. It and is. Being an addict is yeah. also difficult to be around. Mm-hmm. Manic and yeah. Um, and he had very intense ideas, and you know, was always he was distrustful of everything government. Which okay, that's fair. But sure. but you know, to a degree where you're like, well, I can't have a conversation with you're him just about not being a reasonable man yeah and like then he would get very angry and he wouldn't know how to process his anger and, so, and then that made brought out my anger and so we would fight mm. you know and then but again as we got older we were getting through that and um but i remember for the last couple of years we had this apartment above our garage it's a little thing and that's where he lived um and he was working so hard to be sober mm-hmm. and to stay out of trouble and make money and you know be a good dad and he just was never going to be normal like he was never going to get on a normal schedule or you know you know but he was doing his very best and it showed but he was lonely and i think he was very depressed and i could see that and i did not go out of my way because i was still because i was a dumbass (laughs) i mean that's no i'm beating myself up that's what my therapist had me not to do you know not putting that blame on myself for not being better at going into his space and initiating. And like, uh, so I was feeling a lot of guilt like that. And he asked, my therapist had said, uh, why, why are you taking all of that on? He was the big brother. Mm-hmm. He could have initiated a lot of that. Yeah. He caused all of this trauma in your life. Um, and, and that resonated with me. And then I allowed myself to be angry a little bit about it but also to forgive him because he was doing his best yeah um he was doing his very best and he made his mistakes um a bit a little while before he died i'd come home and things were tense and i got into a fight with my mom about something really stupid and i was upstairs like avoiding it mm-hmm. and he was very difficult and he made his way up there and um he was like yeah i know i get it i get why you're mad but stop you know just you can go down and be the bigger person and give her a hug and tell her that you love her. And then he said, he brought up the night that he almost died. And he was like, he told me that he did die. Mm-hmm. He's like, I remember leaving my body and and uh, hearing a voice saying, you know, you, you're not done. You haven't done the things you need to do yet. Oh, wow. And, and he said, I'm sitting here and I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know if I've done the things that I need to do. But I do know I've wasted a lot of time. And I don't want that for you. Mm. That was a very important conversation for us. Um, and I come back to it a lot. I mean, that feels like the distillation of 40 years of living, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like, it's yeah. messy. I fucked up a bunch, but like, you're going to do it too, but try to do it less. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That meant a lot. <laughs> it was I mean, hard. Fuck, man, that feels like. Um, God, I, that feels like the kind of conversation you want to have with everybody who's important in your life. Yeah. Just once, it's just like just like a little thing, and it's like not, uh, you know, something like that is not inherently profound. It's not like right. It's not it's not a new uh, philosophy, but just like hearing it from somebody who's like, I know what you've been through, yeah, and I understand the gravity to this, and the fact that you're saying it to me just means a ton. Yeah, yeah. It's the source kind of. Yeah. What um what kind of advice do you have for anybody who has dealt with um, addiction in their mm-hmm. family in their house and then subsequently dealt with the aftermath of that? Yeah, because the aftermath of that is like very severe in your case, and sometimes it's just like dealing with like you know new structure, new 
yeah. rigidity and failure and then success and failure and mm-hmm. kind of they say as I'm right? taking a sip of my delicious IPA oh I mean yeah well I will say yeah I had started to say earlier on I my relationship to addiction is such that I uh, was hyper aware of it for a long time and I allowed mm-hmm. that to be allowed that to make me very wound up tight sure and off limits and since then since losing him I've been like okay well I get to drink I mm-hmm. I have lived this long and I haven't succumbed to it and so I try not to let that dominate me sure um, uh, in terms of people with addiction Al-Anon is a great resource you know you don't really realize I think that if you grow up with that trauma in your house or you know be it a parent siblings whatever it is um, you might not be looking inwards to see how it is affecting you and taking care of yourself and I think it's very important to start to recognize the ways that you're shouldering that um, the responsibility for taking care of people or what right. have you. Um, the other thing is to, so make sure to take care of yourself and be compassionate to yourself and give yourself the time to process that because um, uh, it's not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I also spent my other brother. If you're listening, I love you so much, Ryan. <laughs> I'm super proud of you. Uh, but I, but he was, it was bad. It was so bad, and uh, and I had so much resentment to both him and to Coco, and I stopped forgiving him mm. I, for a long time because it was just the same thing over and over and over. And I saw what happened to my parents every time they forgave him and welcomed back, or like he stole this thing or this mm-hmm. bad thing, and it's and I built up walls and like and like there was there was zero I was was not letting him in and then after we lost Coco I was like I don't have his siblings anymore <laughs> you yeah. know like am I gonna go through this life alone once we lose my parents what if I never have a partner you know like sure. and but and that's all selfish but also uh, oh, but that's reasonable though that was yeah there yeah. were very real fears but then I started to see him and also Ryan started reaching out to me personally like in ways that he didn't started calling me and asking not asking for help but saying like I don't I'm not happy like this and it's something broke open in me mm. and instead of hating him I forgave him and I understood that this was a disease and that I can maintain my boundaries of not getting disappointed by if he fails but I can also love him right and I can love him for how he is and help him as much as I can with, by knowing my boundaries. Um, and that changed me very much to have that kind of awareness. And so I think understanding your situation, but like knowing that um, you can forgive your family, you can work towards it and, and you can help them and it might not work out. You can't have any expectations that they're gonna get better you know, you. I think expectations are difficult to manage. Sure. Um, in any situation, but especially with that. Well, expectations are also. It's easy to tell yourself one thing, and like pragmatically, I believe this. Yeah. But yeah. right. Another thing is, is like, you can be like, ah, this isn't that important to me. I'm fine. I've made peace yeah. with this, and then something happens, and it's like, fuck. It's still. I was just right. trying to convince myself of that. Right. Yeah. And. It might, and it might continue to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we got really lucky. Ryan got really lucky. Well, he didn't. He fucked up. Continued mm-hmm. to fuck up. But he reconnected with his first love, who had done amazing, great things. Mm-hmm. Like they hadn't been great for each other at that point, and he had a lot more bad things to do. And she got her life together, and and they reconnected. And we got out of jail the last time. Yeah. He was right there, and between losing his brother and having us there and having her, uh, he's become healthy. It's amazing. It's a huge gift for our family. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, does this in terms of uh, having all these experiences with both your brothers and with your family, does it... I think of how to phrase this does it make you a little bit more precious with things like you know talked about like oh I have a partner 
uh, <laughs> and you know it was like made more precious about like life is short I don't want to compromise or life is short fuck it let's try stuff oh yeah you know what um, I mean like when it's just like because I think you can go either way I think you can either shut down right. or you're like now let's just go for it <laughs> right right uh uh, for a little while, I don't think I did much. Of, I didn't. I got into a relationship right after that, mm-hmm. which was good for me and bad because I think that I kind of hid in it. Sure. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean just like relationship. I just meant no, like no, life in course, general. No, no, of course. Of course. Yeah. I think it's both. I think that since once I shook off, once I, I went through this, I kind of retreated into the <clears> relationship. I did some growing, did some learning, whatever. That's was beautiful in its own thing. But mm-hmm. um, I did more of the work once I got out of that. And Yes, more precious. I am not wasting my time dating people that mm-hmm. I'm. I've got yeah. 100%. I am scared. Uh, I do sometimes. My brother has a baby now, Brian, mm-hmm. they have, and I see my mom and my dad with him, and that. Oh my God, I hope that if I have kids, I have them in time where they can enjoy their grandparents. Yeah. Um, so I have that, but I'm also. Uh, I do not want to waste more time this town can eat you up and you don't ever want to leave you don't ever you know and you're like there's so much more to it so over the past couple years i've been really pushing to like i'm gonna go travel i'm gonna go do this i got and went to ireland with um coco's other sister and we traveled around and you know trying to like do all the things that i want to do and not limit myself um so i think it's a little bit of both and i think it all comes from that it doesn't all come from that but i think that was it is a catalyst for sure for me um and i'm grateful for that yeah man and i i said a few times that i regret that i hadn't become better friends with him but i do think he's here maybe not all the time but a lot of the time right and i know him better and better and better and that's weird but he's he's here you know i think yeah i mean i think uh i don't think that is weird just because whatever uh uh, the philosophy of the afterlife or life in general you buy into he may not be a physical presence but like your relationship with him is still evolving yeah you know even if like he, it's a one-sided conversation with oftentimes it's not I mean not yeah. I mean real tangibly it is but just like as you grow I think you become more understand like I know when I think about my mom like <clears throat> when I became a certain age I was like oh uh, I have this milestone, like buying a house for the yeah. first time. I'm like, oh man, when did you do that? And just like yeah. little, you know, it's just like your perspective on who they were changes and thusly your relationship yeah. evolves. So it's like, yeah, it, they're there in that sense. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, even if it's more like a cerebral kind of actual presence. Yeah. I, at some point, I mean, I must've jotted this down in my notes somewhere. Um, you know, like notes on your phone. Sure. Uh, something to the effect of how can anyone ever be gone if you have the memory of them everything this conversation is already a memory to me Mm -hmm. but it's very real so if that's true can't these very real memories these memories that i have are also very real and so he's here whenever i think of him and that's very cerebral but it brought me some i I mean i jotted something down to that effect i don't really remember doing this on the anniversary of his death two years ago mm-hmm. I guess I was walking around the reservoir in Silver Lake and I started crying just thinking about him and like talking to him to myself in my mind mm-hmm. and I pulled up my phone just to like see the time and that note had somehow pulled up mm. I didn't have it even unlocked like or maybe I unlocked it and opened it and that note popped up and this is something that I don't remember writing from somewhere deep I've got thousands of notes that I've jotted to myself I do not know where it came from but it was just sitting there on my screen and I was like floored by it it's things like that that like I can't explain that yeah man and I think um, anytime like I talk about something like this I think it's easy to chalk it up to like well Irrationally, there's probably a rate, but like, but it's who cares? Who it's cares? inexplicable, and yeah, it might just be projecting, you know, 100%. importance to it. But it's also like, who gives a fuck? It felt nice, and it felt like there is meaning. There is, mm-hmm. you know, meaning to chaos, yeah. and that there was like a moment of like, hello, yeah, I'm here. Hello, yeah, yeah. I see you. Um, uh, and it's comforting. 
Is, sure, of uh, course. So yeah, I do. I feel closer to him. I wish I felt this close to him when he was alive, but yeah, man, you know. that's a that's that's a thing. That's a bummer. It's like you, even though you can recognize, like I need to be nice to myself, and like I couldn't have known, and I was doing the best I could. But it's hard to not always play Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, and be like, but I could have, could have, should have. Well, that's that toast up. Yeah. And I do my best to not do it. Yeah. With everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thank you for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'm glad we got to do this, man. I am, too. Thank you. (laughs) That was lovely. I love this show. Hey, thanks. I see evidence. There you have it, everybody. What an episode. What a person. The lovely Katie Stoll. Uh, thank you so much, Katie, for coming out. I really appreciate you coming and chatting with me on a weeknight and talking about some rough, vulnerable stuff. You're a delight. Uh, I think we all learned a lot from you. At least I did. So thank you. Uh, if you want to see what else is going on with Katie, you can check her out on the Twitter. It's at Katie Stoll. That's at K-A-T-Y-S-T-O-L-L. She's verified and everything. Check her shit out. She's wonderful. Um, also, a couple other thank yous. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. Dog. Dog. Couldn't do without you. Thank you so much, Playa. Um, also, thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for doing art and music. And thank you. The biggest thanks per usual goes to you guys. You're wonderful. You're attractive. You're fucking kind, sweet people. And uh, the world's a better place for having you in it. So there you go. I hope you have a great week, everybody. Lots of love. Fart noise. Mm-hmm.